Well, we're talking about transformation. We've been going through uh, self-control, self-discipline, self-mastery, and, and as we move forward past that to the transforming power of the Word of God, I want to encourage you, really, let the Word of God sink in you. Because this journey that we're on as believers, it really is uh, a journey. It's not a, it's not a sprint. We are those ultra-marathoners. Remember we talked about the ultra-marathoner last week? We, are, we believers are true ultra-marathoners. Now, minus the guys being lost in the Sahara last week that we talked about and eating raw bats, I mean, we want to not do that, but we're on a, a journey as we walk in this relationship with Jesus and we allow transformation to happen in our lives. So what happens, the Word of God is so powerful, it takes who and where you are today and moves you towards what you want to become. I am going to assume that everyone here would like to have some transformation in their life. I doubt that anyone here is saying, I think my life is flawless in every way, and I can't think of any change that I need. Uh, but generally, you can see the changes others need, right? So but we all need some transformation. So I know this. We all should have, and I want to say this clearly, we all should have a holy dissatisfaction of where we are in the Lord. Now, not a condemning dissatisfaction, not a shameful one, not a woe am I, I'm awful, I'm horrible, I'll never amount to anything, not that, but a holy dissatisfaction where we kind of taste it. There's more of God. There's more of him. We can grow. We can be transformed. So we want to move from who and what we are today to what we are shooting to become, and that focuses on Jesus. Now, Jesus tells us how this growth process happens, and he uses an agricultural story, a farming story, which we should be able to relate to those. You might notice that you live in farm country. We, we aren't city slickers that haven't been outside the city. We are farm people. If you haven't ever been raised on a farm, you don't know much about a farm, you still know country and farm living. And so Jesus uses a, a farming illustration to talk about the kingdom and about growth. And we should get that because... Not only, also, we should be really good at our Bibles because you know what this region of the country is called? It's called the Bible Belt. So we need to learn our Bible. Let's, let's be true to our name. We're in the Bible Belt. But we're also in the Corn Belt and the Wheat Belt and the Soybean Belt and all those things. Back many years ago, I was a, a director of sales for a small little uh, three-store chain in, in Indiana. And I was on a journey with... Um, a leasing agent that wanted to go to all the stores and meet all the people. And so we were trekking across that highway that goes down around New Albany to Evansville. What highway is that? 60, 69, 69, 64, something. Four, nine, do I hear seven? Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, there you go, 64, okay. And so I, we're driving across. By the way, that is like the most boring stretch of road in the world. Uh, now, maybe it's changed because this is an old story I'm telling you, but I remember driving along there. You know what I thought? This is the longest stretch of road between McDonald's that I've ever seen in my life. And so we're driving along, and the leasing agent was from Detroit. And so we're driving along. They look out the window, and they go, wow, what in the world is that? And I impressed them with my incredible knowledge. I told them that, my friend, is a cornfield. And they had never seen a cornfield. And I just thought, wow, I couldn't hardly believe that. And you know, Indiana, too, it might have been a 500,000-acre cornfield, so they were just mesmerized by that. So anytime I got a chance, I'd let them know. 
that's soybeans, that is a cow, you know, because it was just all, it's, it's all unique to them. I said, have you never really left like the city limits of Detroit? And so, I mean, you can drive around Indianapolis and see cows and horses on the, on the loop around there. So we should get this stuff. Now, that, these illustrations might skip them, but we should get this because Jesus is going to teach us with, using a farming illustration about what the kingdom is like and about what growth is like. So we're going to look at Mark 4, 23 through 29. Jesus is speaking here. He's teaching. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, y'all know this, that I'm pretty confident that the crowd had people with ears on. You know, they had human ears. So Jesus is obviously saying, I want you to go past just some audio frequencies getting to your ear. And he says, consider carefully what you hear. Consider carefully what you hear. I want to say that at the beginning of this message. Today, I want you to consider carefully what you hear. That's what Jesus told us to do. Consider carefully what you hear. He continued, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Now that may be a phrase, I'm not really sure what he's saying, so I want to make sure everybody understands this. He is saying, to the degree that you pay attention to what I'm saying, this is what Jesus is saying, to the degree that you pay attention to what I'm saying, and to the degree you put it into practice, to the measure you hear and use it, it will come back to you and even more. So I think there's a little bit of control we have over the speed in which we grow. Are you giving a 10% ear to what Jesus is saying? Then you'll get back 10% and a little more. Are you giving 25%? Then you'll get 25% back and a little more. 50, 100%, there's a, there's a, a progression. I think we really learn and grow at the speed of obedience. That's the speed in which our lives get transformed as we understand the word and put it into practice. So if you feel like, I just feel like I haven't grown much in the last year or two, then you need to consider carefully what you're hearing. You need to understand it properly and put it into practice, and it will help you. So then he says, whoever has will be given more, Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Now, it's interesting because I spend some time, it feels like in every message, trying to, you know, teach us how good God is, as if he needs me to do that for him. But there's such a prevailing theme in people's minds that God's mean and God's, you know, stealing stuff from us. And there it is again. You don't have anything, then he'll take what little bit you do have. Let me tell you what Jesus is teaching. He's teaching us a principle that functions in the natural and spiritual world. That's all he's doing. He's teaching a principle. He's not saying, God will get so mad at you, he'll take what little bit you do have. Let me say it this way so we can understand this natural thing. Every single one of us in this room have a, a certain amount of physical fitness in us. Every one of us. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're 95 here or, or 9, you have a certain amount of physical fitness. Now, we know this just from natural rules, that if you apply yourself towards physical fitness, and, and I, I mean, my age, I'm different than I was when I was 15, but we can still do something. So if we're applying ourselves, then we find out we get more. It's interesting, actually, your, your body will shock you how quickly you can progress. 
and you go, wow, I tried to walk uh, two blocks last week and could hardly do it. A few weeks later, I can walk 10 with no struggle. There's something, you'll get that back and more. But if you say, I have not done anything for physical fitness for the last five years, then you know this, don't you? You are not as physical fit as you were five years ago. You have lost what you had. Now, did God get mad at you and say, I'm going to take that from you? No, it's, just, it's a spiritual or natural principle. The world even has a saying for it. Use it or lose it. Use it or lose it. And so if we're not using the same things, true spiritually speaking, you haven't been applying things spiritually, you find yourself going backwards instead of going forward. So the measure we apply ourselves, how we learn, how we use, is how we grow. And if you get stagnant, you'll lose even what you had. So Jesus goes on and says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Anytime Jesus says that, we ought to perk up and go, okay, because this is the kingdom we live in. The Bible says that we've been translated. If you're a Christian, you've given your life to Christ, you, you've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son he loves. So we're in a different kingdom. So we're in this kingdom. Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God's like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Day and night, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. It just happens. He's applied some energy. He's done some things. And when he does some things, something begins to happen. He says, all by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it. That's a cutting device, a handheld one, by the way. He puts a sickle to it because the harvest has come. Anytime Jesus talks about a sower and seed, he always references the word of God. The word of God. Remember the other story he told? He says, a sower sowed seed, some fell on rocky soil, thorny soil, good soil, shallow soil. And the disciples say, what's that parable about? And he said, I want you to really understand this parable because it's, it's critical. He says, the sower sowed the word. And those who heard the word and retained the word, kept the word, they produce a harvest some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown into their lives. So they put some effort in, in retention and practice, and they grew. They grew spiritually. And so Jesus is telling, this is how the kingdom of God works. This is how you grow. And so we need to pay attention to those things. So today, I, for some reason, have a long title, Transformed by the Word, The Power and Purpose of Discipleship. So I want to talk about this discipleship, about being equipped for who we can be in the Lord. Now again, I'm assuming that all of us, I know I want to, all of us want to grow more in the Lord. And that none of us are totally satisfied with where we are, and hopefully we have a holy dissatisfaction that says, I'm, I'm really pleased with what God's done in my life now, but it's not over. I want to keep being more like Christ. So we're, we're growing, and we're shifting, and we're learning, and we're being transformed. So the Word of God, I want to make this plain. The Word of God is critical. It is the key critical thing for transformation. There's nothing that exceeds that, in my understanding, than the Word. Now, the Holy Spirit takes that Word, gives, breathes life to it, and then we apply it. But it's the whole process begins with the Word of God. And so we have to get the Word of God properly. Hopefully it's taught. Hopefully I'm teaching it or whoever you listen to or in a Sunday school class or whatever that you're getting, you're getting it taught properly. Then once you get it taught properly, 
then you need to really think it through and consider carefully so you understand it properly, and then you can apply it properly. When that process happens, you start to transform. Again, it's not a sprint, but you start a transformation process in your life. Paul, who wrote so much of the New Testament, he was an apostle, he was a church planter, he was a teacher, he was a mentor, all these things. He was always having to bring clarity and, and correction to his teaching. One of the things he loved to teach about, and I love to teach about too, is the grace of God. Anytime I teach on the grace of God, which I love teaching on the grace of God, I'm never worried about what I'm teaching. I'm worried about what people think I'm saying. That's always the problem. So that's why we need to be careful how we listen and pay attention so we get it. Now, Paul did that. Paul taught on the grace of God all the time. And he, he had to just, you know, sigh and look up to heaven at times. Because at one point, he's talked on the grace of God, and he said this. He said, the grace of God is so amazing, so powerful, it triumphs over anything. So where sin abounds, grace does all the more abound. So wherever you're at in your life, you got what people would consider just a little bit of sin. Grace will be bigger than that. Maybe you feel like the Apostle Paul himself who said, I am the chief and worst of all sinners who have ever lived. Well, guess what? The grace of God was bigger than the depth and height and width of Paul's sin. So anywhere there's sin, God's grace will always be bigger than it. It will always be able to consume it because it is triumphant. And so Paul taught this. So then here's what some people heard because he had to bring correction to it. So let me get this straight, Paul. Grace is good, right? Oh, yeah, grace is really good. And where sin abounds, there's more grace over that sin. Yes, that's right. So it makes sense to me logically that we ought to really sin it up. Because the more sin there is, the more grace there is. And I just, I don't know, I just picture Paul going, I don't even know how you came to that conclusion. So he said, no, that's incorrect. How can we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? So he had to always correct things. So it helps when we listen carefully, consider carefully, and apply appropriately. And that would have been a wrong application. Now, there's a cute little thing you might have seen. I'm going to show you here in just a second. And by the way, back on sound, make sure there's, there's audio ready because it only lasts 10 seconds. In fairness to this situation, Martin Luther King Jr. Day and Easter are relatively close on the yearly calendar. They're just a few weeks apart. And so this young lady has obviously been learning lots of things at school, and she's asked this question, what did you learn at school today? So let's show that. Learn about in school. Martha Luther King Jr. Martha Luther King Jr. What did he do? He died for a sins. No, that was... <laughs> okay, well... She'll get that down one of these days, but isn't she just so adorable, though? <laughs> she probably had heard about that Easter and got it all mixed up together. So it's important that we're very careful as we learn. Now, she'll get that. She'll, she'll figure that out so we can have proper application for it. So one of my goals today is just to make sure we understand the incredible worth of being a disciple, a follower of Jesus, and the incredible power of knowing God's word. A simple definition for a disciple is just this, and, and I'm sure you could get more in-depth things, but just a basic understanding, because disciple is not a word we use a whole lot, but we're disciples of Christ. We're, we're 
we're disciples of Jesus. What is that? It's a learner. It's a student. So since we're talking about Christian things, Jesus would be our teacher, or as they called him in the New Testament, rabbi, which means teacher. And so his disciples said, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to watch Jesus, I'm going to see what he does, how he behaves, what he teaches, I'm going to do all those things, so I could become more like him. And that's the goal of a believer, to become more like Christ. And so I'm going to listen and apply. And it's not always the simplest thing to be like Jesus, but we have the right stuff in us. Or better said, we have the right one in us. Colossians chapter 1 tells us that this, there was a mystery hidden throughout all the ages that even the angels longed to peer into. That it says, God held it close to his chest and then he revealed it finally. And here is the revelation, Christ in us. The hope of glory, the hope of heaven, the hope of eternal life, the hope of forgiveness of sins. Christ in you. So since Christ is in us, it greatly enhances our ability to be Christ-like because he is in us. So we want to know God's word, we want to understand it properly, and we want to apply it correctly so we can be transformed, be transformed like Christ. So in 2 Timothy 2, 15, Paul, who was teaching and training Timothy, said, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. This is not say, do your best to earn your salvation. That's done through Christ and receiving what Christ has done. But do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. So the challenge for me and for you is this. Are we doing our best? Are we doing our best to learn the things of God, to apply the things of God, And if we're not doing our best, I think today is a good day to say, Holy Spirit, help me do better. Help me do better at this. Help me me pay attention and learn the word, put it into practice and and see the transformation. Because ultimately, there's such joy in transformation. I mean, I'm just, I'm pickling anything. It could be anything. But let's say you have an anger problem. Well, then you start reading the word of God. And the word of God says that the wrath of man does not bring about the righteous work of God. It says we should lay aside all anger, rage, and bitterness. Now, I noticed one time that my children were getting this because I would bring that up a lot. Hey, the wrath of man does not bring about the righteous work of God. So I don't remember which one now was guilty, but one of them had, you know, slugged or swatted the other. And so when retaliation was coming, they said, don't forget what dad says. The wrath of man does not bring about the righteous work of God. So again, we need to learn and apply it to our lives. (laughs) I want to apply it to your life now that you're getting ready to thrash me, but no. So... We need to learn, and we need to correctly handle the word of truth. Correctly handle the word of truth. So we're putting it into application in our lives. And anytime you're learning something or growing in something, you don't do it perfectly at first, but you just keep going, and you just keep going. Anything you've mastered in your life to some degree took practice. It took practice. Whether it's relationships or learning an instrument or a foreign language or whatever, a sport, a skill, mathematics, whatever it took, practice. Well, why I was thinking about this, that we need to make sure we rightly handle things, correctly handle things, I happened to come across something in Reader's Digest. And so I want to share some of these things with you in just a second. But I want you to know, because I thought, you know, goodness, maybe there's people out here who don't know these things, because Reader's Digest found some interesting cautions, warning labels, 
things like that. So let's take a look at the first one. This is just so important. I want you all to know this. Do not eat toner, okay? So we all good with that? Let's see the next one. Do not use while sleeping. Can you believe that's a, a caution label? Do not use while sleeping. Let's see the next one. Do not iron while wearing shirt. Now, I'm, I think it means you can iron while you're wearing a shirt. Just don't iron the shirt you're wearing, okay? So I think that's very important because most of us would, I would have never thought of that. The next one. Now, I really like this one because Chipotle had this. Drivers do not carry burritos. Now, I've seen something like this before. Drivers do not carry cash, but maybe burritos are more important than cash. So don't be, you know, holding these people up at gunpoint and trying to get their burritos because they don't have any burritos. Okay, I think this next one is my favorite one. <laughs> Remove child before folding. Now, that's a good caution to put on there. You know, you'd hate to go, where's my baby? Oh, my goodness, I fold him up and put him in the closet. Let's go in there and get him out of the, out of the thing. So I want you, I'm here to help you in every area of life, not just spiritually, but I want you to know these things as well. So let's look on. I have a caution level, uh, label for us. Caution. Knowing and obeying God's word will change your life. It will. It really will change your life. Whatever it is that you're working through, the word of God can transform it and help you move down the road. Now, I want, I want to say this again. You know, I picked on, maybe you, you have a struggle with anger. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be any topic, so I'm not trying to pick on you personally if that's it. But you'll notice that as you grow, you will find yourself progressively getting better. It, it, I, I hope it happens. I hope you say a prayer and you never lose your cool again. But you might find that you have to stop yourself, talk, talk the word of God to yourself, say a prayer, and walk away. And then maybe one day you'll find out, oh my goodness, you'll say, I haven't lost my temper for a year. We're used to use it lose it three times a week. You know what I'm saying? So it's pro progress begins to get made and keep going forward with that. And knowing and obeying the word of God will change your life. So here's what being a disciple of God's word will do for us. There's little scriptures for all these. Um, you can use your smart devices to take photos. You can get on Facebook. The slide, the Facebook person will pop them up there. But you need to know these things. And this is just a small portion of what the Word of God will do for us. But here it says, the Bible, God's Word, will guide us on the right path. You ever been on a wrong path? It's no fun being on a wrong path, naturally or spiritually. When GPS was first coming out, we were in outside of Portland, Maine. And we put our hotel into our GPS and we followed it. And all of a sudden, we're off the beaten path. We're out there. I'm serious. It, it looked like a, a horror movie. We're driving along. The road gets narrow. It's seriously, just perfectly, there's a cemetery over there. And I go, I don't think there's a hotel around here. So we finally called and said, yeah, this GPS takes everybody to the wrong place. It's no fun being on the wrong road or the wrong path. But the word of God will help us. The word of God's a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. The word of God escorts us to truth. There's probably two dozen verses on that, but John 17, 17, Psalm 25, 5, it escorts us, it leads us to truth. Third, it keeps us alert to the devil's schemes. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 
Paul, talking to the Corinthian church, has said, he's actually the topic's on forgiveness. He, now, where do we learn forgiveness? From the word of God. So we study the word of God and we learn about forgiveness. He said, we, we need to forgive. He said, here's why. I'm going to forgive, Paul said, because I'm not ignorant of Satan's devices, lest he gain an advantage or outwit me. So he was saying, if I don't obey God's word in the area of forgiveness, then Satan takes advantage of me. Well, you don't have to take advantage of us. You can know the word of God. You can see the snare and the trap right in front of you and just walk around it because you can see clearly when the word of God reveals those things. The word of God brings prosperity and success, Joshua 1.8. It brings health, Proverbs 4 and Psalm 107. It, a New Testament thing on prosperity and success James 1.25 says, if we look at the word of God, by the way, it talks about looking at it intently, and we put it in practice in our lives. It said, the person who gets the word of God in them and puts it into practice, they will be blessed in all their deeds. All their deeds. They will be blessed in all their deeds. James 1.25. The word of God empowers us to say no to sin. In Psalm 119, it tells us, Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Wow, that's a beautiful passage. The eighth one I listed is the word of God. It's a mighty weapon. It's the sword of the Spirit. So we fight and win battles with the word of God in Ephesians 6. You know, so many people believe the lie that we sang a beautiful song today. Uh, I've, I've heard the accusations of the propaganda I've heard another voice, it's the voice of the Lord, you're his beloved. You've been purchased by his blood. You are crazy loved by God. And so it's good to fight that battle when something comes across your mind and says, man, God's probably mad at you. He don't want anything to do with you. You disgust him. Go, whoa, 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 hold it. But the Lord says this. And then you start using the word of God, and it becomes a weapon. Jesus used it against the devil in the wilderness. It worked so well, the devil used it. Really, you ought to follow the story. He goes, this is working pretty well, so he quotes the word. But again, out of context, inappropriately, and so that's why we need to learn the word of God correctly and apply it correctly. And then ninth, and again, this is such a small little portion of what the word does for us. I just want to give us some things. It gives us knowledge. The word of God gives us wisdom. The word of God gives us insight. And the word of God gives us foresight. Insight and foresight. It's interesting because um, Darlene has mentioned this before, that she's always seemed to have a foresight. And, and that's so handy because it comes from the Lord for knowing God's word. You think, well, I think I'm going to do this and go this way and that way. And you go, hold it. But I can see where that road takes. That's one of the saddest things in life is people can't see where a road's taking them. I just, I just get worn out with that because you, you see somebody there involved in something and you say, name the last hundred people you knew that were involved in that. What happened to them? But I'll rob this bank more successfully. Well, will you? Okay, yeah, you're probably going to end up in prison just like everybody else is. Stop that pattern. That pattern doesn't work. Use a different pattern. Now, one time where she was really tuning into the Lord is she dated this guy, you know, years ago, and the whole family one of them, him to, her to marry this creep. And uh, now, actually is a very godly man. But she had foresight that that wasn't for her. And again, this is what really gets hard because she's a godly young lady and he's a godly man. There's nothing, actually, the guy is a, 
amazing guy. And, uh, but the Lord gave her foresight. I, I, th- I don't remember exactly, but I think it was something like the most incredible, amazing, godly, handsome specimen of a man's going to come your way. I may not remember the details exactly what happened, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway. And, and we're together because she had some foresight. And foresight because this would have been a godly man to marry. There's nothing wrong with him but had foresight, where does God want to take me? You say, well, I don't know if God gives that kind of foresight. I know he does because the Bible says he does. The word of God teaches you this, that the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth and show you things to come. When's the last time you believed for that? Well, that seems a little out there. Okay, well, why don't you talk to Jesus about that? Because he's the one who said that. And Jeremiah, I think is. 33.3, 33.3, he says, call upon me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't even know. Wow, the Bible says that. So he gives insight and foresight. And who doesn't need that? We need that. Knowledge, wisdom, insight, foresight. We need that. The word of God provides those things for us. So I want to encourage you, get in the word of God. Make the word of God a priority in your life. So that's our pursuit for the week. This is our assignment. Develop a plan to grow in your understanding of the Bible. Develop a plan to grow in your understanding of the Bible. And there's our little agricultural thing going on there, a little farming thing, what Jesus taught, and it's a growth process. Now, I mentioned this last week, so I'll mention it again. We've had so many wonderful uh, teachers over the years. Uh, Larry Schreier was a seasoned teacher for the adults, uh, and Wayne Pravel and Larry Shelp, and, and now Gary Miller. Just th- These are seasoned people who could pour some seasoned things into your life. And so I want to encourage you in that adult Sunday school class, it's wrapping up Matthew, where we're coming towards Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, and we get to watch the life of Jesus unfold before us in the book of Matthew, it's, you know, in good timing with the celebration of the resurrection. So I encourage you. It's a good time to get in the habit of being there because most of you who responded, a high percentage of those who responded said Sunday morning was their best slot for discipleship, for learning the Word of God. So that's going to happen every Sunday morning over in our Founders Chapel Cafe, which you come in, turn left, and go over there at 9 o'clock in the morning. So I want to encourage you, get involved in that, set that habit, and then he's going to move into Genesis, which I think is such an amazing book for our Christian faith. Yeah, that first book of the Old Testament for our Christian faith. Also, we've had the power team going on lately. Uh, Tyler Powers teaching men at 6 o'clock on Tuesday nights. And Elizabeth Powers, that class is over now, but there's future classes coming for the ladies. So so if you see them, just call them the power team. You know, they've been, they've been teaching. Those are ways to get involved in discipleship and plus a hundred other ways that you can get consistent and steady and growing in the word of God and it will transform your life so I want us to pray together we're going to ask the Lord to help us give us wisdom I mean you're all intelligent thinking people you can come up with a plan and use some of the resources here to develop a plan to grow in your understanding of the Bible which will ultimately lead towards transformation so Father we thank you for this